0: welcome to Getting Better Acquainted. I'm Dave and I'm the person who puts this stuff together. At the moment I'm in the process of making some changes in my life in terms of where I live. So I'm in the process of moving from London to Lancaster which was where I went to university and I stayed there a few years after that but I haven't been there for 15 years and I'm going back. And so I'm in the process of sorting that out. Because of that, I've decided that I'm going to put out some replayed episodes for the next four weeks. And these next four weeks happen to be the four weeks of the Edinburgh Festival, which is a festival I love, that I used to go to every year, but haven't been able to go to for a few years due to life and finances and every year when you're not in Edinburgh but you used to go to Edinburgh it's a bittersweet thing because you see all of your friends go and you hear about their amazing shows and you kind of wish you were back there but also you know Edinburgh's a mixed bag of things it's quite complicated to Deal with in terms of mental health, in some ways, and all sorts of things like that. So, you also kind of are reminded of the reasons why it's quite nice not to be in Edinburgh. Uh, So, you're filled with lots of different emotions, or at least. I am. And because of that, I thought that the four episodes that I would put out would be live shows that I've recorded at the Edinburgh Festival. So on the show, there could be a sense of that thing that I'm missing out of, that wonderful thing that is the experience of taking a show to the Edinburgh Festival. Some context for all four conversations. Most of them were recorded in 2014 and one of them was recorded in 2015. The people that you're listening to are the versions of us from four years ago, so there will be changes between us then and us now. There'll be changes in terms of the kinds of things we're talking about. We may have chosen to change our language or we may have learned more about things or whatever, so I don't always agree or like the way that I express myself in all of these episodes, even though it's a closer version of me than I normally put out when I put out Getting Better replayed. I still don't always agree with myself and I'm sure the same goes for my guests. Another thing to keep in mind is the shows we're talking about are no longer the current shows. Please don't go to those venues, that's not happening this year. These are time captures from the past uh, and so none of the details are relevant anymore. For this third episode of Getting Better Acquainted replayed Edinburgh Live. It's a conversation with the comedian Tamar Katan. Now, Tamar isn't at Edinburgh this year Uh, so there's nothing that's current that I can promote for him this year at the Edinburgh Festival but the reason I chose to replay this episode is because I think it gives another flavour of what the Edinburgh Festival experience can be like and represents another kind of voice that you'll hear at the Edinburgh Festival we've heard from uh, spoken word artists and uh, comedian storytellers so far Um, but this is a conversation with a a stand-up comedian in the American vein and I think that is very much one of the things that you can experience at the Edinburgh Festival. It's a conversation that does get into some quite deep and dark territory so uh, there's a content note for this conversation because it deals with bullying, with violence at home, uh, parents on children, violence, emotional abuse, racism, all sorts of kind of complicated experiences that people have, bereavement, drug use, or addiction are also things that we touch on so tread carefully and also be aware that sometimes there's some dark humor had at those kinds of experiences and so it's it's that kind of a conversation so I want you to know that going in but I do recommend going in if that does sound like something that you'd like to experience it is uh, a very vibrant conversation with somebody who is a very uh, engaging presence to listen to it's recording now everybody Right, so, um, so Getting Better Acquainted is a weekly podcast uh, that I make, uh, and I'm the host. Uh, and what it is, is it's uh, conversations with people I know from my closest friends and family to someone that I might once have met at a party. So uh, it's been an interesting few years having those conversations. You know, you have the, the conversations you always wanted to have with your parents and stuff like that. So uh, part of what it is, is it's a kind of autobiography through conversation. Uh, like every in every episode, the way I relate to that person tells you a little bit more about me. But it's not all about me. Uh, it's about the guests as well and so what It's also is it's an oral history project it's a, it's a, uh, it's a chat show with people who aren't famous Although, uh, that said, uh, nowadays, I know, I know, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> nowadays, a few of the people are famous, and the way that I sort of like uh, frame that is that we, I talk to famous people as if they were normal people because that's what they are. Uh, so that's the refreshing look when I'm talking to someone who's famous. I don't know if you class yourself as famous, but we'll. I'm pretty we'll, famous. Right, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> however, however you want to define yourself, that's how <laughs> I've that tried to define people. But yes, yeah, so that's what Getting Better Acquainted is. You can find it at www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. UK, Uh, and uh, this is uh, the theme tune, right? Right. So goes. Right. I want to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. Uh, and today, we're getting better acquainted with uh, Tama Katan. Uh, hello, Tama. Hi,
1: how are you? Great song. That was cool.
0: <laughs> I know, it's an interesting... Doing it live means I'm kind of serenading my guests. Yeah, it was weird. I didn't want to make
1: direct eye yeah. contact. Like,
0: normally, I don't, so, I don't sing the I ukulele looking, to people. Yeah, no, I, I know. I was looking right at your eyebrows, just above the eyes. No, I, rea- I <laughs> realised that... I realized that on the first day down here, that it was going to become a serenade. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of, and it's also kind of me begging you to make me better, which is kind of what the show's about a little bit. Um, but yes, the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? Uh, let's see. The first time we met was, at, I think it was at Spark. Yes, London. that's right. It was a, that's right. Uh, a
1: storytelling show. Yep. And uh, for me, it was an unusual night because I'd never done storytelling before. Right. And uh, in, when you're a comic, sometimes it's like being a nudist, hmm. like when it comes to your private life so I was like talking about stuff that maybe normal people wouldn't talk about So it be, and it's the first time I'd ever done that in a storytelling capacity right so it was interesting to get like such a positive experience out of it yeah versus normally where people at parties just start to move away from me right like, <laughs> towards the chips yeah. yeah yeah yeah. So it was nice to like have people go like oh that was cool. And that's when I met you and you told me about the having a show in Edinburgh and then I I came and did stand up tragedy with yeah. you, which was great.
0: You've done 3 performances with uh with us up here mm-hmm. and uh they, they've really been remarkable I Thanks. mean uh, they've been really powerful I mean two of them were basically the same but a refined version of the, the same thing yeah. and, and the last one was a new piece both of them were kind of new like you were yeah, reacting yeah, very much to the, the life of, to the yeah. world around you at the moment Yeah. Uh, and that's I mean you know, I loved, like they were the perfect stand-up tragedies set because they were raw and they were sad but they also made you laugh right and that's what yeah. we want to do I mean not every act has to make people laugh but it's sure. good when the comedians do yeah, yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah <laughs> and, and so Dave, it's been a pleasure having you Thanks, uh, on man. our stage And I saw your stand-up last night uh, mm-hmm. Your American Roadshow So I feel like I've seen you kind of doing the tragic I've seen you doing the storytelling And finally I've actually seen what you do normally, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last night yeah. Although I don't know if there's that much of a difference between the topics It's just slightly the way that you present them Totally Because you're quite a yeah. brave stand-up In that you oh, go into you. some like dark areas just in your actual routine Thanks,
1: yeah, I, I think so Like I think of comedy, it's just the blues without music Right. Right. Like there's different styles of comedy, like there's different styles of music. And then, like, I think the style of comedy I like is, is there's comics who make things funny, and then, sorry, comics who say funny things, and then there's comedians who make things funny. And right. I like the latter. Right. I like laughing at stuff we're not supposed to laugh at or that we don't laugh at enough.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, and that's got to, that, what I respond to the most in comedy, I guess, uh, is truth of some kind, right? Yeah. It can be surreal comedy, it can be well, there's loads of different ways we yeah. can get at truth. It doesn't all have to be a man bearing their soul or a woman bearing <laughs> their soul on stage. Yeah. Um, but, but that's, you know, those anything with something that rings true, yeah. although obviously, truth is, I mean, a million things. Yeah. Uh, they all contradict each other, but something that rings true it doesn't have yeah. to be true. Yeah. And that's what I like in what you do, and the kind of the genre of comedians that you're in, right? Thanks. Like, yeah, I appreciate that. So, I mean, what would you? What kind of a comedian would you say you were? I, you know, I don't know. Like, I,
1: because I, I don't like the subcategories, to be honest. like right. the, I have some friends that are like, oh, this is alternative comedy, and this is this, and this is that, and I'm like, you know, there's funny, and then there's. And then there's not funny. And then there's like, and then there's you know truth tellers and storytellers. And you know, I think I I don't want to say that I'm any one thing because I don't want to be afraid to do something that I don't think I am. Nice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I I've done shows here that have been different to stand up. They've been I've done the spoken word shows. I've done alternative rooms. I've done and I and I my comedy genuinely changes when I do an alternative room. I'd rather be like a studio musician who can jam with anybody than be like this where I go I'm just this type of comic I I love making people laugh right okay
0: yeah 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 okay that's that's great I mean it's yeah. good I, I it's good that I checked with you what you thought you were before yeah. I just kept on defining even, you no, as yeah, a good right. idea. that's okay um, it might help maybe yeah it'll help me figure out I mean I am. certainly the sort of stuff I've seen has been quite kind of confessional comedian I guess like a, the, the, sure. that, that tradition that comes a lot from America of like people who bear like bear theirs that bear the worst of themselves so sure. that we can all feel better about ourselves sure. and that they're kind of actually experiencing complicated emotions on stage and maybe yeah. in their lives uh, it's But the we worst get that we get the chuckles you. from it right yeah so, no, so it's, we're kind of very parasitic in that relationship yeah. i feel like the audience yeah. we're like let's go along and feel better about our lives while yeah. the person who's having a shit life uh we don't help <laughs> them maybe we give them a bit of money uh, <laughs> that's, that's all we're doing really <laughs> so yeah i mean yeah, but i'm glad that there are people for us to suck the blood out of like you <laughs> thanks i appreciate that <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, the second question I ask everybody is, uh, what do you do now? And I guess we've touched on that. But if someone was to ask you that at a party, what would you say? I'm a comedian. So you're yeah. com- comfortable. Yeah. You're not, you it know. took me three years to right. say that. Like
1: the day I changed it on Facebook, where I changed right. my occupation to professional comedian, I go, oh, this is what it must be like to change your status to married. Right. On Facebook. Right, right. Like it was a big deal to me. Like it took me a year, I think, where I thought about it. Mm. And it took me an entire year where I actually did it.
0: yeah Yeah, I mean I'm I've gone freelance as a kind of creative person now, yeah. so now I have to act the my only answer is like what I actually do. I yeah. no longer have the day job, and uh that's a really it's great co- yeah it's great but i i i' I don't feel like I'm at the stage yet that I'm comfortable mm-hmm. calling myself what i am oh, I'm glad um, to, yeah, so yeah. I, I I still have to do it now, but it's it's just awkward you know like sure, I mean, sure. yes i'm 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 do a lot of things kind of yeah. creatively, and they're like people are like i have got I've, I've got bored already right yeah. stuff. so that's uh funny. It's good. It's good. Yeah. It's good that you've got to that point where, like, you, you know, it happened at the same time as you were doing it professionally, and you felt comfortable yeah. saying you were doing it. That's I a had big a year of awkwardness. I had yeah. like a
1: year where I didn't know how to answer, and I think of that as like that was my cocoon. Right. Like I was a caterpillar before. I wanted to be this butterfly, but people look at me and go, you're not a butterfly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, right. And then I was in my cocoon and people were like, what are you? I'm like, I'm a man boy. It was like going through puberty. (laughs) Right. It's like I sound like a lady, but I have a beard. (laughs) Like it's like being a teenage boy where you're like two things. Yeah. And then, you know, now I think the awkwardness, I think, is a good sign. I think that's the cocoon.
0: Right, okay, tight. I'm in the cocoon, I'll be a butterfly soon Yeah. You know? That's exactly. what you're telling me yeah, yeah. I've got the right laces for it They're, <laughs> they're purple and sparkly uh, <laughs> listeners um, So yeah um, When Why comedy? Like Why has that come into your life? Like You're someone who tells jokes But I mean, what makes you do that? Uh, this is going to sound weird uh, There's this quote I remember from
1: I, I don't remember if it was Freud or it was some psychologist He said comedy is a weapon of the underdog And like I grew up in a. Uh, I used to get the shit beat out of me you know, the the short answer. I used to get beat up a lot. Right. And the difference for me is I had bullies at school and then I had a bully at home. I had a kind
0: like, of that dynamic. Yeah. Didn't you yeah, yeah. Well, you know what it's, it's like ne- it's an know. interesting, unique situation to be in, isn't it? Yeah. Having those two things be shit in your Oh team. totally. Yeah. It's great it's totally combination. Weird. Yeah, I mean my yeah. dad
1: gave me a black eye once. Right. And then I used my mom's makeup to hide it. And then I went to school and these kids were like, You're wearing makeup, fag and then they gave me another black oh, eye. Fuck. And I had two black yeah, eyes. Yeah. I was so angry. And then so, you know, like the whole quote from Freud was comedy is a weapon of the underdog. And I started making fun of the kids that would beat me up. And then they started not liking it. And then so they said, if you stop making fun of me, I'll stop beating you up. Right. So I very much turned it into a weapon.
0: See, that's a really good reaction. What happened when I was bullied, and I wasn't physically bullied in the same kind of way. It was emotional bullying, pretty much at home and at school. Although there was some physical, like my, my stepdad hit me, but yeah. Uh, we'll get to that, um, but the, but in school, it, like my reaction was not. I know how I'll deal with this. I'll, I'll entertain these people. I'll make yeah. it was to just shout at them and tell them how morally wrong it was, and to try and plead with them. I always tried to plead with their like better selves. Like, yeah. I was always making dramatic speeches to them. Like there was times <laughs> I, like there was a time like and I was always like I was trying to like when little kids would pick on me, I would try and demonstrate I could beat them up if I wanted to, but I'm a pacifist. Yeah. Uh, so, so I would do That's things awesome. like holding like I remember holding a kid up on, like, on a wall and saying, look, I could beat you up if I like. And then, you know, three people jumped me from behind and I was kicked in the face and my glasses were broken. So it wasn't a very great, uh, (laughs) great thing. Actually, the the other time I I threw threw someone on the ground um, to try and, like, um, demonstrate I could beat them up. But the the ground happened to have a corner nearby and they cracked their head and blood was spilling out. And I thought I killed them. And I basically was in shock. And they had to take me into the the office and give me, like, a cup of tea to, like, to chill me out, right? And I'm, like, I'm the one who's hurt the kid. Uh, anyway, yeah. I love that a cup of tea is something, <laughs> I guess, something you need get in a hospital. UK, right? yeah, You're yeah. going into shock. Here's some tea. Yeah, like, <laughs> It's ridiculous. And, you know, he wasn't even hurt. It's just scalps bleed a lot, right? So, yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. It's scary, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, but I wish I'd had that reaction of managing to charm that, that group. You know, it's taken me a long time. I've got compassion for those people now I, yeah. I can have a perspective on it and, but I wish I'd not been I wish I'd been able to get some people on side by being funny yeah. rather than just a few people noticing I was interesting if you could get through the intensity yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah I uh, I, could, I think it was,
1: it was uh, something I learned from the community because the community I lived in was very black and Mexican right and so I walked in and they were going wait you look Mexican but you have black hair what the fuck are you do you know what I mean and so it was like going to jail not being able to be in a gang right I was the most exposed.
0: Yeah, and but, you, you weren't either of those things, right? No, no. I'm Egyptian. I, yeah.
1: uh, you know, I'm Egyptian, I feel like I'm so asking you, what the fuck are you? Yeah, yeah, now? well, no, it wrong, you, yeah. no, no, it's just fine. But like for uh, in in our community, remember the movie Eminem? Uh, the Eight Mile with Eminem? Yeah, yeah, M&M. And they did battle rapping? Right. In the street, battle rapping is called playing the dozens. And the reason why they call it the dozens is it comes from slavery. Like when they used to sell slaves, they'd sell them one at a time, unless there was something wrong with you a fucked up arm or messed up hair lip or a weird ear and then there'd be twelve slaves in a cage making fun of each other back and forth. And that's where battle rapping came from. from. It came from people with ailments and handicaps making fun of each other and playing the dozens. And so that's why I learned that you could use comedy as a weapon. Right. And I saw people like there was regular lunch and then for the pork is there's this thing called nutrition. It was ten minutes where the government gave you milk and trail mix. And during those ten minutes We'd battle rap. Right. You know. Or a dozen, play the dozens, yeah. So that's when I learned it.
0: So you learn how to do it, and I guess the the twin things that influenced you to have something that you wanted to say were those two different dark yeah. parts of your childhood, right? Yeah. I mean I'm assuming there were two. There could be yeah, absolutely. there could be more. I well mean, those were the two biggest You can go for the you yeah. can go for the bingo cards those were the
1: two biggest. I mean right. and also moving from Egypt to America
0: was like right. shocking. You so know. you were born in Egypt? Yeah, know? in Cairo. Yeah. And then how old were you when you went to America? Uh, eight. Right. Yeah. So you've lived quite a long time then. Yeah, oh, I
1: know Egypt really well. Right. Like I still can pick, I close my eyes and I'm in Egypt. I can smell it. Do you know what I mean? What like, does it smell like? Uh, a lot Dust. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Dust and heat and noise. Egypt feels like a sweaty person's hugging you. Wow. <laughs> all the time, all the time. Like an overly affectionate, <laughs> a drunk, sweaty guy is just, come on, let's go somewhere together. And he won't let go. And you're like, dude, you're so heavy. Yeah, that's Egypt. That's what it feels like. Wow. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow. And that's uh, and then so like so you, I guess you spe- you you didn't speak English. I guess you were that's not your native. Very poor.
1: Right. I mean, I spoke some English, but it wasn't great. And uh, the house I lived in, we were we were spoiled. We lived in one of the nicest parts of Cairo. My grandmother's Greek, because a lot of Greeks moved to Egypt in Alexandria, and so we were in Alexandria and Cairo. So my family was so mixed. You know, between we had. Muslims, Christians, and Jews all in one family. Wow. And a lot of performers and artists. And, you know, so that there's a lot of languages being spoken in the house, but English was the least of the languages. Right,
0: okay. Yeah. And that's kind of the most
1: useful one when you're, yeah, like, you're going to move to when America. When you yeah. right. Well, it was my grandmother's way of fighting it. She, did, she knew that my mom and dad had sent, you know, applied for a green card. And my grandmother, every time anybody even mentioned America, she'd fake spit at them. Right. Like Because she didn't want her grandson to leave. Right. You know, so she didn't like it. And that was probably one of the reasons why we spoke such little English in the house, because it made my grandmother angry. Right. Well, fair enough. I mean, if
0: I wasn't English, I'd be fucking angry. (laughs) I I mean, you know, anybody that's not English has been colonized by them pretty much at some point. Uh, including the Welsh I mean that's the thing when I moved to I moved from England to Wales uh, mm. when I was 12 and that was kind of one of the reasons why the bullying set in I think there were loads of sure. other reasons I was like raw from home and they sense weakness don't they like sharks yeah. um, but, but 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 I mean it was hard enough for me going in with a different accent right yeah. if you're going in with a different language you're going in with like a different sure. accent with that I mean what you're was different that? that's yeah. bad yeah and what was that like I mean at eight discovering that you were different when you aren't really different. You're just from a different place.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I stopped blaming the kids really quickly. I, I was an only child, so I, and both my parents had to work two jobs. so I was home alone a lot, and so I had to think a lot. And if this was the biggest problem. It was in the front of my face. I stopped blaming the kids. I started blaming their parents. I knew that their parents were racist. Right. Because what would happen is I'd watch the news, and whenever the news would talk about gas prices going up, I'd be like, oh, shit, I'm going to get beat up today. And I knew because what would happen is their parents... Would yeah. be like fucking Arabs, right. fuck Arabs, this Arabs that, and then the kids would be like, "Oh, I know an Arab," mm. and then they'd be mean to me. It's just like when somebody's walking a dog and they go, "Oh, my dog's racist." No, you're a racist. Right,
0: you your dog feels dog your racism racist, through right.
1: the leash, and same thing with these parents. They. If a kid was mean to me, I started going. I stopped being mad at them, and I just started looking looking at them as
0: stupid. Right.
1: Like, and and now I know their parents are assholes. But I
0: mean, do you? I mean, I, I mean, it's a weird thing to say, but I mean, if you if you're having an understanding for why the kids are doing that, I yeah. mean, there's also reasons. What those adults were kids, right? Yeah. So I mean, do you ever get to the point where you can even empathize with them, even though they're so fucking wrong what they do? Yeah, totally. I mean, that's the thing. It's so yeah. that's what I find. The older I get, the harder it is to hate yeah I agree it's really I annoying agree. yeah because yeah. hate's really like pleasing isn't it you know, like, yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no right or wrong it's just, no, just straight you know you just hate everything has yeah. but
1: everything has, a, everything has a, every emotion has a purpose you know like when we get angry and our face goes like this that's fight like your eyes get narrow you literally don't hear as well it's fight it's go attack right. the target and when you get surprised or scared you go oh, so that you can't talk your eyes get bigger so you find escape routes so right. it's fight or, or flight. so our emotion there's a purpose to it right. And I think the reason why we're less angry than maybe we used to be when we were younger is because we're not at the life stage. If we were in a tribe where we'd be going out and killing the animals. Yeah. Now we're the guys that, you know, tap the sh- warriors on the shoulder and go, good
0: job, Yeah, that's young, that.
1: angry kid, thanks for the boar. There's
0: that, and then there's the fact yeah. that, you know, people aren't here us are sort of emotionally abusing us now. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. easier now. Yeah, right? we'll just be telling jokes while we <laughs> right. cook the pigs. Yeah, we got the, we got the, and you've got the time to think. You don't have the time yeah. at the moment when, when you're in the moment. Yeah. Uh, that's Yeah, I mean, it's... It's an interesting thing, hate, though. I mean, I, I remember, like, the, the day that I stopped hating my mother was the day I said out loud, I hate you. Yeah. Like, that's a weird thing. Like, yeah. sometimes you just need to express that, and then you can totally. move it on from that place.
1: Yeah, it's good to let it out. It's important. Right. I think, especially for men. Yeah. We're taught to hold everything We're taught, in. yeah. Yeah, which is terrible. I remember this really crazy story. My uh, therapist told me... I was, you guys think therapists are for crazy people in the UK but in America dogs go to therapy do you know what I mean like it's it's more it's and more, good, yeah, more, good and more
0: people you. do use therapy here the yeah. pro- problem here is you know you can't get it on the NHS very easily and ah, uh, gotcha, okay. you well, you guys have to pay for it from the beginning so oh, you are yeah, used to more, paying so, for it yeah. I shouldn't complain
1: but it's, it's good and I remember this day because I remember feeling like I didn't realize there was something wrong with me. I'm talking to him about my dad, and this professional therapist goes, oh, my God, that's fucked up. (laughs) And I was like, are you supposed to say that? Is that, like, a medical term? You don't say, wow, that's fucked up. It's like a doctor looking at your x-ray and going, you know what I mean? Like, you're not supposed to do that. So they told me, he's like, do you you cry? Do you think it's okay to cry? And I'm like, "Uh, no. I mean, uh, yes, no. I didn't know how to feel. And he goes, he's like, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you to cry. What I'm telling you is that maybe crying is a way to release pain. And when you get sad, maybe allow yourself to feel sad just for 10 minutes every morning. Just allow it to happen. And I was he's all promised me. And I go, "Uh, okay, fine. And then the first few days, I didn't do it. Day three, I, I did it. And I actually cried a little bit. Day four, I'm in my car and I'm driving to work. And I just start crying, like uncontrollably, you know, crying. And I'm sitting in my car. It's a red light. And I'm like, I can't believe this is happening in a car. This car drives up to me. And it's a woman. And she looks at me. And it's almost like a mirror because I can see her sadness starts to match mine. Right. And she goes, oh. And for some reason, I just go, fuck you. (laughs) I totally flip her off right right because I was so angry. I didn't want anybody to see me being that sad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then the light turned green and I drove off and she was still sitting at the green light.
0: That's it. But we're not allowed to cry. We're not allowed to talk
1: and shit, but it's good for us.
0: Well, that's I mean, in that way, I think is where like my my direction that I took when I was being bullied and that sort of thing is probably a better way so I was someone who cried I am someone oh, who lucky. can cry yeah, um, well it's not so lucky at school right yeah, the yeah. reason that you learn not to cry is because that shows you're weak yeah. um, and so like if you can't learn that there's a different problem. It's, it's a different problem. It's not better or worse. Uh, probably, I think you've had a harder life. If we're going to play Tough no, Trump's no, life no, 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 you're going to win. No, um, but I don't like to play that game. Yeah, no, That's a bit not, of a stupid game no, to play. No, it's not, it's not yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think, like, so what you, you're... You were crying, like your, the tears that you were releasing in that moment. Part of the, those were, I, I guess, related to the school stuff we've talked about. But I guess it wasn't an easy time at home. Like, do you feel comfortable sharing some? Something oh, sure. Like that? No, it was my it was my
1: dad, hundred percent. You know what I mean? I didn't care. It, it, some a stranger beating you up is that's just life, right? But when your dad does it, that's different. Yep. you know what I mean? That's a very different experience. So there's a lot of stuff with my dad where I just stopped talking to him, and then he got cancer, and then like the last few years of cancer. Then we got close, but because cancer and stress are so closely related, I didn't talk to him much about what happened. So then he died, and after he died, I felt the need to, like, get it out, and so I started kind of... That's from the first time when I formally went from saying, I'm a funny person, to I want to do stand-up. Right. You know? Like, I thought of being funny is like being tall, but getting good at stand-up is like learning to play basketball. Right. Okay. Right? You can be a tall guy that can't shoot. Right, right. You know? So it was like that's the first time I like formalized it and said, yeah, this is who I am as, a, as an identity once I started talking about shit.
0: Yeah. Right, so basically, like in a way, stand up is a therapy, therapeutic process, 100%. right?
1: It's my NHS. Well, that's yeah. really
0: interesting. I mean, this yeah. show is my therapy, right? Yeah. I see it and I talk yeah. about other people's lives, sometimes about my own, and it makes me have some perspective. Yeah, makes me learn some stuff. Totally. Um, and you know, so I, I'm I'm all for like making, you know, why can't why, why not try and make it an artistic thing if you're gonna have to go through this process? Why not share it with some other people sure. to maybe help them out, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's 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 a, I don't know if you've had any of these kind of like I ha- when I, when I, one moment that made me... Re- like, cause, so you, your childhood, right? Yeah. Like my childhood, that's our normal, right? Yeah. So we don't get how weird it is unless you sort of put it in context of other people's, right? Yeah. So is that yeah. how you feel?
1: Yeah. I mean, I for me, it was a moment in a movie when I went, oh, shit, I'm not normal. What was, what was the moment? Uh, I had friends in my house, and we were watching Midnight Express. The, the guy who gets caught for drugs, and they put him in a Turkish prison. Right. And they lift up his feet, and they start beating the bottom of his feet. And all my friends around me were like, <gasps> and I'm like, what? <laughs> he got a bad grade in history. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's normal, right? Your dads don't beat the bottom of your feet right, with sticks. Like, right, that's not... right, right. And they all looked at me like I was, they're like, are you kidding around? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm kidding around. Yeah. And then so I was like, oh, oh, shit. The stuff he did to me is like, those are torture tactics that they've used oh. in prisons. Yes. And I was exactly. like, okay, that's weird. That's not normal.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, my my stepdad hit me a few times. That was kind of shocking because my other parents that was not the culture like that was very against the culture that I was brought up in. so it was shocking but it was only a few fucking times right it was a threat I was always scared I was never beaten with sticks on my feet you know sure sure but at at my moments for realising things was weird I remember I I, I worked with children uh, like the under fives and so I went on a a CRB check like a not a CRB check a a, um, child protection course sorry so you learn about you know that's not a fun day yeah of course you know because you learn some shit yeah. Uh, and we were kind of going through uh, the um, like um, uh, emotional abuse, like different kinds, different forms, and we were like supposed to like read these and see. And every one of them, I was like, "Oh, f- that's that's you know, that was what happened." Yeah, no, that's what happened. Oh, right, so this is bad enough to be illegal. Wow. Um <laughs> interesting. Uh, and so, like, and my and my sister works with kids too, and she had the same experience. And we wow. talked about it. And we were like, "Yeah, I realized it was." We we're really wrong when yeah, when we were told taught that that's what we should look out for in the kids that we work with. Wow. I mean it's not like I don't want to make out that my mum was really emotionally abusive. There yeah. was certainly a big chunk at the end of the sure. worst stuff that she never went near. She always kept a roof over our head. She had reasons sure, behind but it, right? Well we always say stuff like that. Yeah, like we she did. kept a roof over my head.
1: That's the basic responsibility. <laughs> no know? no no, but she worked. Like she worked. No, she worked you know
0: harder than the men and maybe the men sure. caused her to be in that position. But like, it doesn't excuse see, the abuse. Does not Oh, yeah. you know
1: I, and we always do that like having an abusive parent is like breaking up with a girl that was shitty to you after the breakup you're like she was great she wasn't terrible all the time nah, she, you know abuse yeah. is still abuse. And it and it, and it it's it's wrong, but we do that a lot. Like I I used to have this joke where I said maybe my dad didn't really abuse me, maybe he was just really shitty at giving high fives. Right, right. <laughs> and it was like, but he did, he did. And when I think back, there's like there's like a couple clear pictures where I go, no, that's fucking abuse. That's inexcusable. You shouldn't do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know? yeah, and and uh, th- there are levels. I mean, I just, I mean, I guess I really am trying the hardest I can to sort of uh, try and see the. Frail, like frail oh, human course. inside yeah, these yeah, abusers, yeah. and no I feel perfect. like yeah. one of the reasons we don't talk about abuse very much, and one of the things I like about your comedy is you do. I think one of the reasons we don't talk about it is because we make them so much monsters yeah, that, that yeah. we can't like it doesn't make sense to us to yeah. talk about it. But actually, they're not monsters. Yeah. They're complicated people with their own reasons for that. Of course, and if of we could course. help them earlier, that would be better. than course, ever. Yeah. But we could maybe help them now. You know, yeah, exactly. And they yeah. are, you know, they're people we love, right? Of course, yeah, and that's complicated. Yeah. yeah thing to have that love for someone who also abuses you I guess that's what you've got right? yeah definitely definitely I mean that's in I think the piece I did with you guys
1: the metaphor I made is that I'm not mad at my dad I understand the dynamics of abuse now I understand that a vampire bit my dad and that made him a vampire and then he tried not to bite me but he did and now I have to work to not be a vampire right like he was the Transylvania vampire I'm like the Twilight vampire. I can still have a girlfriend.
0: Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I can live in Seattle. I know what you mean. Yeah. You know, versus well, the I pure feel, monster. But well, I feel that strongly about that, that. I mean, I had a vasectomy, so I can't uh, be a vampire. No, no, I can't vampire anyone Why? else. What made you have a vasectomy? Uh, I don't want to have children. Uh, wow, that's a pretty bold the, move. One of the reasons being I don't want to carry out that cycle. I'd rather yeah. adopt. Because I feel like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't. Neither me or my partner want kids, so it's probably not going to happen. But if I was going to have kids, I think I could. If I adopted a fucked up one, I'd be able to help them. So know what it's like to be fucked sure, up. Sure. If I have a, a non-fucked up kid. I don't know what it's like to not be fucked up. So yeah. I would end up fucking them up. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that, that's kind of like, I mean, there's loads yeah. of other reasons overpopulation. Can't see a, a lo- sure, sure. can't see a delightful future for the children. Yeah. So why, why, why put them into that? But yeah, I mean, yeah. there's there, that stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But yeah, it's it was. I mean, the main thing. I think I spent Christmas with my mum, and that was when I made the final decision. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> have you ever told her that? Like, that um, I, you I, may be. I, I might. I mean, I might tell her that if it came up, but wow. I would. I would try and resist it. What, what What about your mom made you decide I'm going to have a vasectomy? Um, well, actually, she, she was just a very complicated mother, like I'm talking, now, sure. now, oh my God, now I'm going to do the Mark Maron thing. I, 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 Mark Maron's a big, I'm a big fan of Mark Maron. Me too. Your Facebook picture, you've got your arm around Mark Yeah, Maron. yeah. That was intimidating for me. Oh, that'd I mean, be silly. Like, oh, he knows no, no, Mark no, Maron and now no. I'm going to try and be Mark Maron. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no, uh, no, no, Mark no. Maron is I, an American uh, comedian yeah, who interviews I mean. people uh, a little bit like this, but he's more famous than me. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, no. He, a he, lot he's, more famous than
1: me. I, I, don't, I don't, I mean, we... Hung out one time. We we're in the in the same.
0: Show sure, I get, I get I get that picture. it was that. Yeah. I, I thought that it was that, but at the same time, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. You, know yeah. you know I don't know. You could you could be like you know you, you know him so well. You've never gone on his show because he no, no. just like, it's too much. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I can't like call him and ask for a, extra guava or anything <laughs>
1: like that. He doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He might look at me and be like,
0: uh, oh, yeah, hey, hey, how's it
1: he going? You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, he doesn't know me, though. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, I guess, like I say, like, I feel like um, I've got a lot of rage in me. Mm. I can control that rage. But yeah. I think that when you love someone a lot, then that's when you can't control the rage, maybe. Yeah. And I feel like if I ever, as my mum hit me, actually, um, and it's violent. She's very threatening. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if I ever hit somebody with the rage that she has, like, I hit walls. I hit that stuff. I use that rage against walls occasionally. I'm pretty cool these days. I have got it under control, I have to say. Yeah. But um, but no, I mean, I have that inside me. And I don't know if I could keep it in with a child in the way that I... And I've worked with kids and I can definitely keep it yeah. in with other people's children. Yeah, but when weird. you're so connected, I just fear. Yeah, it's a scary thing. And it's weird it's, to
1: be afraid of you. Yeah. It's a weird feeling to be afraid of yourself.
0: And if there weren't all of these other things that I yeah. also think means I don't want children, then that maybe wouldn't be... Like I maybe would choose to have children, and I'd wrestle with it, and I'd listen to people who were saying, "Hey, you know, actually maybe you should do some more therapy and then have some kids as sure well. um but since there's the other four things that made me not want to have children, particularly my girlfriend not wanting to have children yeah. it's quite awkward if you you know if I want children now, yeah uh, well, sure, so yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's it, but I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, do you want children? do you want to carry on that cycle uh, you know, <laughs> or avoid I, know it? I know I you know? know that uh. Things affect me. Do you know what I mean? Like stories
1: affect me. Things that happen in the news affect me. Films, meeting someone will affects the way I think and affects the way I see the world. So it's, I couldn't say that I never want anything. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and I know I, when I look, you look at my tattoos and go, well, <laughs> hey, right? Like, but the tattoos to me are different. I look at tattoos differently, like in terms of permanence. Like I, I, I don't know that five years from now I may not want kids. I might, right. you know? So I, I, I couldn't do anything as, Blunt is boom, gonna have a vasectomy, right? The tattoos for me are different because the tattoos for me are all like they're all memorial tattoos of people that have died. So, for me, with a tattoo, even though it's permanent and even though my opinions might change, I'm never gonna remove photos from a photo album, right? And that's what tattoos are to me they're, they're photos in a photo album,
0: they're, they're the story of your life, in exactly, ways, right? Exactly, so, so I don't you can't yeah. regret it because so i won't, like, what part of yeah. you, know?
1: even if my opinion changes about. What tattoos look like, I'm, it's not going to change. That I'm never going to be upset that I have them on my body. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But yeah. other other forms of permanency, I'm not. Uh, I don't think I'm smart enough to know whether or not uh, there's a God or whether or not I'm definitely not going to have
0: kids. You know right. I mean? right,
1: right. I'm, I'm still farther away from getting to Yoda.
0: Well, for me, partly it's about choice, right? I believe in women's yeah, right to choose. Sure. And so uh, because of that, I can't influence them either way if I was to get them pregnant. So uh, if I want to have choice, the only way I can have that is to take the steps myself. Sure, sure. Fair. Uh, so that's part of it for yeah, me. Yeah. But but I mean, that's, yeah. So like you, you're sort of, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, the, 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 the tattoo thing made me think about the fact that you are quite like a, you You have obviously embraced in many ways the trappings of masculinity right you yeah. you you had to be tough right to get up yeah. in some way yeah. like whether it's your humour will have been hard that you were using it as a weapon you're yeah. a very macho like looking guy right. you always you have bits about that you have bits that ref, you know say that you're scary looking sure, and, sure. And, and, and and you know that's not just to do with race it's to do with the, with the tattoos and the hat sure. and all of those things that yeah. make people scared they do get Scared of people in bowler hats. No, mean. no. I mean, so no. there is some race yeah. and class
1: involved. But no, I mean I know you know I got a scar next to my eye and all this stuff. Like if I was in a movie, I'd be the bad guy.
0: Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah. I, and well, I know that simply for your ethnicity. Yeah. Really. Well, yeah. That too. <laughs> I mean, that too they're the, they're the, the too. rules for you, terrorists. Right? Yeah. Or, yeah, or, it's true. Or criminals. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely. not saying it's good. I'm not endorsing no, no. that. <laughs> That's
1: okay. But like, but sometimes here's the thing that I discovered through through therapy. Like sometimes. Uh, like I, I think i said this before sometimes in nature the hunted dress up like the hunter in order to protect themselves right so i go i'm less shark and mo- more blowfish right right like I, this isn't all of this stuff isn't i'm gonna get you it's more you're gonna so you, leave me alone so for, in a,
0: for you for view it's more like it's been Protective. a mask yeah. and a protection yeah. Yeah. rather than something you embraced and then a journeying yeah. out of so you've so. never you never really embraced that yeah. much I, like in your in your personality yeah. but just been your way about what you look like you see a lot of girls that were sexually abused they will
1: do things to push people away some gain weight, some change their style of clothing there's different things that you do when you're abused and for that reason, I've met a lot of guys, especially when I've done when I've done stand-up shows and I've talked about crying on stage, you wouldn't believe the way the guys looked that came up to me after and said. Uh, yep. I I cried for the first time, yep. or my dad used to beat me. They all look like extras on a movie about the Hell's Angels. They're right. all big, tattooed, yeah, muscular yeah. guys that look like they just got out of jail. Yeah. And it made me realize sometimes the scariest looking guys are the most scared.
0: For sure. You know, for they're, sure. They're, yeah. And I think it, and I, I've had that like the experience of being a man and talking about openly on stage about something emotional does mean that when you come off that stage men come up to you and are like thank you this is something i've I've not been able to go like i've talked about recently i did um risk you know the american podcast they came to london spark london who i work with as you know like we i I did a story with risk basically in london awesome and uh a lot of that was about um being bullied and it was also uh, and home stuff but it was also about feeling ugly like Mm. feeling repellent like uh, inside and it's got, it was kind of a, a feel good story though about that of like a moment when I didn't feel like ugly. We won't necessarily get into that. Like, it's America; they story. want a
1: happy ending.
0: Yeah, well, uh, yeah. what I like, I like the happy ending too. You yeah. know, means I felt I felt like I was attractive for one night. You know, wow, it's a, it was a yeah. nice experience. Yeah. But the thing is, talking about being ugly meant that the men came up afterwards and were like, you know. Uh, you know, I, I feel this way, and I can't talk about it. And it was really moving. Yeah, Although there was and there was a That's awesome. There was a nice side as well. That the, obviously, when you talk about feeling ugly on stage, you do get a lot of women coming up to you telling you, you look attractive. Yeah, which I've not had ever before in yeah. my life. It's just like a good pass. Uh, so going I was like, what the hell is right? happening? Yeah. Uh, That's this awesome. Must, this must be what it's like to have some worth <laughs> in the world. Uh, it was awesome. kind of good. Yeah, but anyway, I mean, like that's. Uh, but uh, so you talk about that stuff. I guess you must get people coming up to you and 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 feeling like you, you that you're you're getting out something that they they can't get out. I mean, do you have that? Experience? Yeah,
1: you know, it's funny. Like a lot of some of my friends that don't work in the arts go, oh, it must be cool to be a performer when you're on stage. You look you look cooler when you're up there. <laughs> you know, they go like being a stand up on a stage is like being a hamburger on TV. Right. You're your prettiest self. You know, and sometimes you unwrap and you go, what the fuck is this? Like, you know what I mean? Right. But when you're up on that stage, and, and honestly, my most rewarding experiences have not been from meeting women after. It's been from men. Right. That's been the part that's blown me away. That's actually made me feel the the, the most good.
0: Yeah, no, no, the been, men made me feel better. Yeah, women it's been away. a trip.
1: I would have never guessed that before. I mean, the women are great. It's yeah. nice to have a woman give you a compliment, but like to... Somehow, what what uh, when a guy talks to another guy that openly, it feels like it's more, it's a more precious stone.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, for me, like it's about the, the kind of connection that they're making. So if a woman comes up to me afterwards and says that I'm attractive, that makes me feel really complicated sure. and uh, good and bad at the same time. Mm-hmm. But if they come up and say something in your story you really chime with my experience, then I feel like that's the same as if a man said Older, it, that's, that's a good true. thing. I feel yeah. like you know that's a, a, a valuable thing I've done. It's yeah. not about ego. Yeah, uh, if they compliment me on my appearance, I feel like did I just do that for this? Am I, what's Is that who I am? I'm trying oh, to wow. get girls through talking about my... You are like I mean, Mark Maron. I am. <laughs> um, that's <laughs> the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Apart, <laughs> apart from the time when my friend said, you're just like Alan Moore, who's the comic book artist, uh, a writer rather, who I really like as well. It was funny. He was trying to be insulting, but it was like the best insult I've ever yeah, had. That's funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess like one part of the, things you talk about on stage like you, is kind of that you have been a user of cocaine, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It, I used to have some drug problems. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is, and as is, is, was, how did that's, I guess, is that related to your kind of childhood? So. It seems like yeah, easy, but so. likely to
1: say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of, you know, like every time you live in a city, it influences you, you know, like if you walk by the streets in LA and you look inside people's living rooms, as you're walking, you see the glow of a TV set when you walk by the streets up in Berkeley and you walk by living rooms, you see bookshelves and cities influence you. They make you behave certain ways. And you know, I lived in Hollywood and Hollywood is crazy right? and it's known for being crazy. And it's known like we're from Hollywood and like, we're not afraid of any drug. We're not afraid of anything. And it was just like, you know, I lived in this crazy town and I felt very much a part of the city. And I, as a kid, I learned there's two ways to make friends before I found funny. One was being funny the other was being crazy, right? Like yeah. if there was a skateboard half pipe and people were like, oh, that's too steep. they're like, "Tamer will do it. Do right. you know what I mean? And then I'll do it and I'll get hurt. And people be like, that guy's badass. <laughs> and it was, it's not a good lifestyle to be badass <laughs> right. as an occupation. Yeah. Like I had, I broke this arm three times, this arm two times, this leg, concussions. I got bit by a pit bull in the face. Fuck. Like just all to like make my friends go hey, look how crazy I am. Do you know what I mean? Jesus. I watched Jackass the movie. I am like, big deal. That's my yeah. fucking childhood. I didn't about the cameras. Maybe yeah. it would have been better to have the cameras, though. right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it was a it was a weird way to grow up. And then you know the drugs got bigger, and we were unafraid. We felt invincible. That's I think that's the that one cocaine thing. Cocaine do that to you, though. It's oh, like... totally. Yeah. <laughs> right. but, but even before the cocaine, I am like, I am not gonna die. And it was it was like having your dad alive is like the force field on the starship enterprise you know that bad things can still happen to you but there's a force field i'm not going to die before my dad do you know what i mean yeah. that doesn't make mathematical sense to me but then when my dad died it felt like the force field went down and i'm like oh now i can die so it was weird it was him dying that made me actually stop cocaine but coke was a natural progression it right. was just part of the party we started getting invited to cooler parties the parties stayed up later when the party stayed up later, we looked for drugs that make made us stay up later. Yeah, you know there used to be plate parties in in Hollywood where they'd have a plate with different pills and powders, and they'd just be passing it out, and you'd just be like snort it. And they're like, "What is it?" And we're like, "That's the party. You don't know yeah. what you're going to snort or what you're going to pop." And we didn't care. It was just a room full of people that didn't care. But you obviously stopped caring. like started caring rather. So. Yeah, when I almost died, <clears throat> I I used to do so much cocaine that my dealer told me to slow down. Wow, that's And a, I was yeah. like, oh, okay, I'm on what kind of a capitalist are you? That's like, so un American. You know? <laughs> and then this one I, you know, I I was a dick at work. I, I worked in advertising, so and I was frustrated I was I was good at what I did, but I was a dick to work with. And then so Friday I'm like, Yeah, Friday I just worked in the eighty hour week, I'm gonna party and I'd go home and there'd be nobody there. So then I just started doing the cocaine by myself. And one night I was so hot, my heart was beating so fast that I was like, I'm going to die. But there was one more line. So I was like, what do I do? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm going to die, but there's one more. I can't just leave it. I can't waste it. And I felt like, and then I went, shit, if I die, I'm naked. I got naked because I was so hot right. from the cocaine. And so I'm naked in my room, and there's a glass table. Underneath the glass is a guitar of a friend of mine who'd committed suicide. So as I'm snorting the line, I'm staring at a bass guitar underneath this glass table. And I have one more line. I go, I'm naked if I die, that's going to embarrass my mom. So I decide I'm going to, I go into my bedroom. I, come, I put underwear on and then I come out and I finish the fucking line. Like and I and I felt like I could have died. I didn't. You know, I went for a walk and went out. I stood in the street in my underwear like a lunatic. Do you know, but in Hollywood that wasn't that weird. You know, <laughs> but I was like 3 a.m. and I'm just standing in the street in my underwear and then my neighbor goes, "Hey, are you okay?" And, I'm, uh, and I just held up one finger, and he go, and he just stood there and just kept staring at me. And I, and I go, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. And he goes, dude, slow down. And I go, okay. <laughs> but he didn't know. I don't know if he knew, but he just said, dude, slow down. And I walked upstairs. It, it must have taken me 10 minutes to walk back upstairs to my apartment. And then I just, like, laid there, got my breath. And the next day I said, you know, for my mom, I can't die this way. Right. I have to die a, a nobler way. Right. Right. And then I started reading Bukowski, and there's this great quote by Bukowski, and he said, find what you love and let it kill you. And I'm like, okay, I'll die that way. going to die for your comedy. Yeah, I'll die, I'll die standing up. You know, I'll die doing something I care about and talking about things I care about than dying like a cliche. Yeah,
0: Do you know what I mean? it's much better. Yeah. I recommend yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, Thank you. I found that that's the kind of that's quite a good way to die. There's a few other ways to die that might be all right. Yeah, but that's probably the one that's yeah. the, the nicest for everybody. But I want to die pursuing yeah. something. Like
1: there's this really interesting retirement home in Hollywood. It's in Burbank actually, and it's a retirement home for old people that want to be creative. So they have uh, art and, and pottery and filmmaking. And one of the women wrote a screenplay that was so good that they took it to Sundance. It was the first time a screenplay was written by old people, performed by old people. And, and they started interviewing the old people. And then there'd be like somebody who was the star. And then she was getting her lines really well. And then a week later, she'd die. <laughs> so they had to recast another old person. It was so sad. But the coolest thing this woman said is she said, she, they're like, how has this changed your life? And she said, you know, I used to wake up in the morning and see the ceiling and go, thank God. She's like, but now I wake up in the morning and I'm excited. I'm excited about learning my lines. I'm excited about giving a good performance. I'm excited about this film going to Sundance. She's like, and I realized the things that keep you young is taking risks, taking risks in life keeps you young. Yeah, when yeah. you get older, you progressively get more and more safe. I have a family now. I have a job now. I have responsibilities now. So you just keep doing safe, 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 safe. We push and failure or the chance to fail is what kept her young.
0: Yeah. And I
1: love that idea. So I go, yeah, that's. What, I want to keep trying to fail, and I'll die that way. If I die when I'm still trying to get good at
0: something, then I, that's a good death. Yeah. To me. Well, I think. I, uh, yeah, that's, that's almost like a, a positive suicide pact. Yeah, we're, we're I both, agree. Both it's really doing slow. We want to do. It's a slow suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, best kind. So. Um, yeah, I mean, th- so the the last sort of question that I ask people, and then we can take a little bit of time of it, but the last question that I ask people is, do you have anything to plug? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I imagine you're going to plug your show, but we'll sure. see where we get to after that. <laughs> sure.
1: Yeah, well, just, uh, we've got, what, what's today? Today's Wednesday, right? Uh, yes. Wednesday? No, Thursday. 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 Oh, my God. You're not long Thursday. Now. Wow, so it goes Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So we've four days left. That's right. Um, four days left of the Fringe. Um, one... But I would like to plug one day in particular, and that's the 23rd. There's a woman here named Lynn Ruth Miller. She started comedy at 71, and now she's 80. And she's got a show called Not Dead Yet, which is an amazing show. She's a really great woman and she's going to do a guest spot on Ricky our show. it's Ricky. Yeah, and I'm really excited to have her because I just she's really inspirational to me. Like I started comedy at 40 and I was like oh, I started too late and she's like I started at 71 and I'm like shit, I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. So, I'm really excited to have her on the show. Our show is called The American Road Show. It's on every night at 11:20 in the Caves, and it's myself and Toby Morishani both American stand-ups, but we're, we're both on the road 10 months out of the year around Europe and Asia and Australia. So are both really good. I saw them thank you, night. Thanks a lot. And it was the, great the seeing The guest
0: you uh, comedian you had last night was really Evelyn Mock. Yeah, right. she was awesome. Right, she was right. awesome. And so uh, if, if, it, if all your guest spots are as, as good as that, I can thoroughly recommend you. Yeah, see we always run great right? guests. I mean,
1: the deal is with Toby and I, these are comics that both of us have met and comics that both uh, he and I respect. And so those are the people we've been putting up, and we've had great responses. And yeah, had,
0: and it's only three quid as well, which is really yeah, good. good as paid gigs, like there's a lot of free fringe stuff, like what yeah. I do, um, but as paid ones go, three pounds is very reasonable. and You're going to get a really good lineup. So, you Thanks. Know, it's, yeah, it's I think guarantee. so. I think we got a good show. Yeah, it's a nice room as well. It feels nice and intimate. Yeah, yeah. Can they find you online and stuff like that? Yeah, please do. Festival? My
1: my Twitter is at Tamer Katan, and it, Tamer is T A M E R, and the last name is Katan, K A T T A N. Uh, and on you know Facebook and all the, all the big social
0: network stuff. All the big social media. Yeah. You can find me there well, on the biggest websites. I'm yeah. <laughs> <the> famous. Brilliant. <laughs> nowhere. Well, my show, Stand Up Tragedy, is on uh, until the 24th, so, so uh, at 7.30 at the Banshee Labyrinth. as part of the Free Fringe, um, and we've got a different lineup every night. Tam has done it three times. It's but awesome. He's not going to be doing it again, but he is, he is fantastic. Thanks. Um, and there's, there's one more day of Getting Better Acquainted happening live. Uh, well, well, the recordings are happening live, and then they're posted shortly afterwards, um, but uh, happening at 3.15 at the uh, Royal Oak, and I'm talking to tomorrow, I'm talking to Megan Cohen, who is a kind of theatre maker from San Francisco, poet and cool. theatre maker. So it's been a really nice uh, lineup. Actually, I've uh, I'm really been really pleased to get kind of people who have a real taste of what the Fringe is about. That's great. Uh, it's been really good for that, um, and it's been our biggest audience uh, so far, which yeah, is lovely yeah. uh, to, to share this this getting a better, better acquainted process with you all. Um, it's all ladies too. Well, yeah, apart from yeah. Harv, 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 yeah, but, Harv. Yeah, but Harv has gorgeous hair. Harv's got long Harv hair. Harv has gorgeous but he's still a man. Uh, in every way. Uh, yeah, just from was. the from the scalp up. The scalp. Yeah. No, I
1: love Harv. That's that's how beautiful I think Harv is. I don't even <laughs> mind the. Beard. He is a beautiful I man. I mean, he, I think he looks he looks
0: like a lion. I, I think he's he's hot in that kind of way. So. um yeah, the last thing I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Now, we have two audiences, so mm-hmm. make of that how you will. So we've got, yeah, say goodbye. Okay,
1: good. Thank you guys for coming. You guys are awesome. And then goodbye to everyone on the tiny speaker box. This yeah. reminds me of the Charlie's Angels. Does it? Hello, Charlie. The mission complete.
0: Right? <laughs> That's a great way to say goodbye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye if you're interested in hearing about masculinity and what patriarchy does to men and to all people if you go to the unbound website and there'll be a link to this in the show notes you can find mansplaining masculinity over there and pre-order a copy of that book unbound is a kind of cross between a publishing company and a crowdfunding company which means that the way that the books get published is that people who want to read the books pre-order those books. They can pre-order them as a digital copy or as a hardback or they can pledge more money to get different kinds of things along with the book that they're pre-ordering. You can find all of that stuff over on mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk If you're interested in reading about me and my dad and our relationship and dementia and memory and time and history and politics and love and friendship, Check out my essay series, Down to a Sunless Sea, Memories of My Dad. As well as making Getting Better Acquainted, I also co-produce and, I guess, star in the magical realist audio drama podcast, The Family Tree. In order to keep making it and to make season two as good as we want it to be we need your help so if you can afford to then please do consider signing up to our patreon appeal you can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook at Getting Better Acquainted. And you can find it anywhere that podcasts go to hang out with each other on the internet. And if you want to email me personally, that's GBAPodcast at gmail.com or I'm GooseFat101 on Twitter. And remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted.